welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. As I was saying before, we're going to continue our series, Rebels, Riots and Revolutionaries, and we're up to part nine, and basically the series, for those of you here for the first time, uh, it's a series, an overview of the book of Acts, okay, so it's not a Bible study, it's not a line upon line exegesis of the book of Acts, it's simply an overview to motivate and inspire the church to action, and hopefully to give us a greater love for the word of God. Luke is the author of this letter, and we've looked at a number of things already, things about his church, things about the ascension of Christ and the Holy Spirit and persecution. Pete did a great message on hypocrisy. All these things are in the church, in the early church. And so we've looked at many, many of those things. Last week we looked at the good, the bad and the ugly, as we looked at all the people that are involved in church life. Some people have rose-coloured glasses when it comes to church. I think Christians shouldn't behave like that. And you know what, you may be right, but at the same time we've got to deal with our realities. Okay, we can't live in a in ethereal world with rose-coloured glasses and put our head in the sand and say that shouldn't be happening. We've got to deal with the things that do happen. And unfortunately, in church life, there is the good, praise Jesus for that. There's the bad, unfortunately, and then there's the downright ugly. And so we looked at some of those things last week. And this morning, the title of my message is Put Some Pork on Your Fork. <laughs> and hopefully that will make sense. In just a little while. If not, I'll explain it later. All right. So put some pork on your fork. Uh, and we're looking at the uh, chapter of uh, Acts number 10. And it's a pivotal chapter. This chapter is a turning point for the early church. God was about to open a new door and Peter had the key. Matthew said, uh, sorry, Pete, Jesus said to Peter in the book of Matthew, that I give you the keys of the kingdom. And these keys were to open doors. And it was through Peter's ministry he opened the doors to the Jews, the Samaritan, Samarians, Samaritans, sorry. And now he's got this incredible opportunity to open the door of the kingdom of God to the Gentile world. And this event is about 10 years after Pentecost. And there's an old saying that Rome was not built in a day. And that is true for the kingdom of God. And I want you to understand this and I want you to just relax in this because we must get comfortable with the process. If we're honest, we love events more than the processes. Events are moments, process is a lifetime. And Christianity and discipleship and the maturing process is a lifetime. It's not going to happen in an event. And I think sometimes in our immaturity in the Christian world, we think an event's going to fix it all. If you pray for me, it's going to fix everything. It may help, but it's not going to fix everything. This morning's service, I hope, will help you, but I don't know that it's going to fix everything. And so, you know, it means you've got to come back tonight and you've got to come back next week and you've got to get involved in connect groups because there's not one thing that's going to fix everything for you. There's a process. And I think if we're honest, one of the reasons we don't see people being discipled uh, is because we don't like the longevity of it. We we don't like the, the time it takes. And so I want us to get comfortable with the process that is Christianity, growth, maturity, and development. You got it? And so here we are, 10 years after Pentecost. 
And now the early church is just breaking into the Gentile world. The Gentile is a group of people that includes everybody who was not Jewish. Okay? So here's God about to do something incredible through Peter. And it's taken 10 years since the day of Pentecost. Why didn't they do it all on the same day? Because discipleship is a process. It takes time. Okay? You want to build a good marriage? It takes time. You want to build a great family? It takes time. You want to build a great church? It takes time. So just relax and enjoy the journey this morning. Okay, so we're going to read through the book of Acts chapter 10. Not all of it, but a lot of it. And so Acts chapter 10, verse 1. It says, at Caesarea, there was a man by the name of Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. Any Italians amongst us this morning? There we go. Any Asians amongst us? He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who had come to him and said, Cornelius... Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. It's interesting that generosity gets God's attention. And so what Cornelius does, he gets together some guys and they go to Joppa to see if they can find this man Peter. Verse 9 says, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw a heaven open and something like a large sheet come down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of, of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to Peter a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found their way to Simon's house. And it stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. It's a bit like Ian, known as Baz. He's a man, he's with Simon, but known as Peter. You got that, same guy. Acts chapter 10, verse 24. The following day, okay, he arrived in Caesarea. So these guys come to Peter's house. Peter invites them in. They have a meal. They stay the night. And the very next morning, they set off to Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and he called them together to call together, sorry, his relatives and his close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or to visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. 
So when I, sent for, uh, when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you've sent for me? And so Cornelius shares the vision that he had from the angel with Peter. And then Peter, in verse 34, began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts man from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened through Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth and, uh, with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went about doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are the witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. But by, uh, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, even on the Italians, even on the Asians, even on the Greeks, even on the South Africans. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? When they'd received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So they ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few more days. Again, like with every time we get together, there's so much that we can draw from the word of God. I want to highlight a few things this morning again about this passage of scripture that will hopefully help us where we're at and move us to where we want to be in the future. A few things stand out to me. The first thing is simply this, that God himself prepares people. God prepares people. In other words, God is working behind the scenes. We see that in Norm's life. God was working behind the scenes, preparing him, unbeknownst to him, preparing his heart to receive the message. We see that in this story here. Cornelius is a man that is having his heart worked on by God. He's a Roman soldier who lives in Caesarea and he's a man that's grown tired of the Roman world and all its superficial pomp and ceremony. And he turned to Judaism in hoping, in, in, in hoping to find purpose and meaning to life. He had a sincere obedience to God's law. We see that in his fasting and in his prayer and generosity. He was a God-fearing man, but he was not yet a saved man. In other words, God was preparing his heart. God was moving upon his heart. I think back to Norm, who came to this church about 18 months before he decided to make a decision to follow Christ. And that would be true, maybe not as long, but it would be true for many of us as God worked on our heart for a period of time. And we see that taking place here in Cornelius' life. 
What is amazing to me is that how religious someone can look and still not be a Christian. He's fasting, he's praying, and he's giving. He's being generous, but he's still not a Christian. Those works alone will not make you a Christian. None of those things alone save a person. But they were a sign that God was at work in this man's heart and in this man's life. There was a man by the name of John Wesley who uh, brought an incredible revival to England. And he, like Cornelius, belonged to a religious club, but he never had any assurance of his salvation. And it was not until 1738, when he was in London in a small gathering and someone was preaching from the book of Romans, that he felt an incredibly warm feeling in his heart. And it was then and there that he experienced a relationship with the living God. And so you can do all the religious things, still not have a relationship with God. You can look really religious and do all the religious things, but still miss the point. But all these things were signs that God was working on Cornelius' heart. He was preparing Cornelius For that moment when he was to meet Peter. God is preparing people's hearts right now. The amazing thing to me, there are some people that went out last night on the town, got drunk, woke up this morning not knowing where they are, and God is working in their life. I love that thought. That God is working on people's hearts right now. They're mowing lawns. They're taking their kids to sports matches all over the city, and God is preparing people's hearts. Thank God that the kingdom of God is not left to just us to build. It would take forever. The cool thing about this though is not only is God working on Cornelius' heart, but he's also working on Peter's heart. Peter was a church leader, but God was still doing things in his life. And what I want us to catch as a church is this, that you don't arrive. You might have been a Christian for many, many years, But you should never stop learning. God's forever preparing our hearts for bigger and better things. For the last 10 years of Peter's life in this story, he's had some incredible success leading the church, done some incredible things, had all his ducks in a row and all the things were in nice little neat boxes. I'm sure he was thinking, man, I've got my life together. Paid a big price and now God's just blessing me. And here he is and he goes up to the rooftop to pray and God is about to mess with his life. Who wants God to mess with their life? See, here's the problem in church. We're too comfortable with comfortable. We've got to get more comfortable with being uncomfortable. And so Peter goes up, not expecting what he's about to get. He goes up to pray. And uh, it's an incredible thing because he has this vision And it's a vision about food. Who's ever had one of those visions? What what I love about this though is the Bible indicates that Peter was hungry. And so God gives him a vision about where he was at emotionally. I love the fact that God speaks our language. God wants to speak to us not just in church, not just through his word, although those are important. But how many of you have ever felt God speak to you at the movies? No, you're too religious. Look at you. 
You've never, you've never, what about when you're watching your son or your, your, your daughter or, or, or somebody play sport? Have you ever felt God speak to you where you're at? Giving you an illustration out of life. That's the kind of God we serve. And so here's Peter, he's hungry and God wants to get his attention. So he gives him a vision about food. And he's like, I'm listening, Lord. Mmm, donuts. And then all of these animals come down from heaven on a sheet. But the animals of which he would not normally have eaten of. He's got pigs. He's got this pork and bacon. And, and, like, and he's like, Lord, I, I would never eat such unclean animals. And the word of the Lord to Peter was simply, put some pork on your fork. And eat, Peter. You've got to eat. I want you to eat. He says, never, Lord. And this vision happens three times. God was using this illustration to make a point. See, he was not just changing Peter's diet. He was not just changing the menu. He was changing the entire program. And I love this because the third time the sheep goes up to heaven, Peter still doesn't get it. If something happens in church and you don't get it, that's fine. Just relax. As Peter's thinking, what on earth was all that about? And maybe some of you are here this morning for the first time and thinking, what on earth is all that about? That's fine. You're welcome here. Because as Peter's pondering, what on earth is going on? Just as he's pondering these things, the men from Caesarea come and knock on the door and say, we're looking for a guy by the name of Peter. What I take from that is simply this, that God's timing is perfect. How many of you have ever stressed out about something not happening when you thought it should happen? And you get, all, you get your knickers in a knot and you're, you're freaking out. Oh, God, I just needed to happen a day. And it happens several months later. And several months later when something happens that you thought should have happened several months earlier, you think, oh, it's so much better that it happened now. God's timing is better than our timing. It's perfect. And so as Peter's pondering what on earth is the meaning of this vision, these men rock up. God's preparing people's hearts. He's preparing those that are here this morning with their questions. He's preparing those that are mowing their lawns today, those that are nursing hangovers today. God's preparing people's hearts. But don't think for a minute, church, that he's not working on you. He wants to change you. He wants to grow you. He wants to mess with your menu, your diet, and your entire program. So let God mess with your program. Secondly, God not only prepares people, but God also uses people. See, God's method is man. He will use angels. He will use animals. He will use dreams. He will use circumstances and situations. But the primary way of communicating a message to people is through people. 
Isn't it amazing that even the angelic visitation that Cornelius had, the angel said, I'm sending you to a man. That amazing thing. God wants us to do life with people, not angels. You know, I'm open to angelic visitation. I'm open to dreams and prophecy. But I want you to know that God's primary way of speaking to us is through us, through people. And if you've been burnt by people, there's a good chance that you won't receive the word from God from people. And so God needs to prepare your heart to soften your heart so that you can hear the word of God from people again. Because God uses people to bring a message. Can you imagine Cornelius got this angelic visitation? I mean, I don't know how many have ever had an angelic visitation. I haven't. But imagine an angel standing before you. And he says, I want you to go to see a man. I don't know about you. And maybe it's just me. And maybe it's that rebellious side of me. I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. All my life, I've wanted to see an angel. And now I have one before me. And you're telling me to go see Peter. No, can't we just chat some more? Is there anyone else like, is, is anyone else like me? I just think, no, can't we just, can't, can't you tell me? You know, I've heard about that Peter. He's pretty impulsive. He'll probably get it wrong anyway. Why don't, you, why don't you just tell me? Let's just bypass Peter. Leave him out of it. This is me and you. Is it just me? But the angel leaves. And Cornelius has to go and find this guy called Peter. A man he's never met before. I believe it's man's mandate, people's mandate, to bring the gospel, not angels. Angels can bring a message, but God has ordained us to bring the gospel. And I love Peter's response. When these men came and said, would you come with us? Peter actually is obedient. He goes. I love that thought. He said, yes, which is something I think we can all learn. Secondly, Peter was humble. When he gets to Cornelius' house and sees all the people there, they all just kind of bow down and to pay him honor. And Peter takes this approach and says, stand up, this is ridiculous. Yeah, I have a role in the church that may be different to anything else that is going on. But I'm just a man. I'm just a man. And he chooses servanthood over celebrity. I think if there's one thing that's really hurting the church, particularly in the Western world today, it's celebrity status. Amongst some church leaders, they're more popular than rock stars. And I don't know how helpful that is. I think it's twofold. People want to worship someone. I think that's half the problem. But then there's something in us that likes to be worshipped. And it's something you have to fight. And it's something that I have to fight. And Peter fought and won on that day. He says, get up. I'm a man just like you. In this church, we've worked hard at doing away with everything that honors one another over somebody else. And although I'm very much a pastor and I very much lead this church along with an incredible leadership team, I don't know why I would need to be called Pastor Tony, whereby what I do is honoured over and above where what you do is honoured. 
And so we've worked out very hard to get rid of those things that create celebrity. Get rid of the titles. Get rid of the pastors. Get rid of the reverends. Get rid of the bishops. Get rid of all those things. We acknowledge roles. We acknowledge positions. But we don't want titles. We don't want celebrity. And what I've said to everyone is if if you must insist and call me, Pastor Tony, because that's a way of respect, then, then I will find your title and call you by your title. Whatever that is. Plumber John. Every time Paul writes his letters, he says it's Paul an apostle. He never says Apostle Paul. Jesus, the Son of God, comes and says, I'm Jesus. I know the church has got its problems. But we have an opportunity to right some of those wrongs. Instead of just throwing the baby out the bathwater and giving up, we have an opportunity to model something according to the word of God. We're here to worship God, not any one person. Celebrate each other's role. Celebrate what other people do. But let's just leave the titles out of it. We're all equal in God's sight. We just have different roles and different functions. Not only does Peter humble himself by way of saying, stand up. He doesn't come as the guru. He doesn't come with the man with all the answers. He actually humbles himself and says, what what do you want from me? I think sometimes where we go wrong as a church, the moment we get one opportunity to share our faith, we just blurt. And so Peter's trying to work out, what is it you want? Why have you called for me? He doesn't start with preaching. He doesn't start with boring them to death with things they don't want to know anything about. He just tries to get on the same page. He says, what do you want from me? Why am I here? And I think we can learn a lesson from Peter's life if we just take a leaf out of his book and instead of just saying, ha-ha, I'm here. You wicked sinner, you unclean animal, you. I knew this day would come. The Lord showed me a long time ago. And we just launch and answer questions that people aren't asking. So he asks them a question so that what he says is in line with where they're at. That takes humility. And if there's anyone who could have just gone in there confident and boldly, it was Peter. Ten years of incredible success leading the church and yet he humbles himself. He asks for help. He asks their opinions. And it was only then that he preached the word. When when he found out from them that this is what we want from you, he then preached the word. When Jesus was tracking along one day, he came across a blind guy. And Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, Jesus isn't stupid. I think he got the idea that the guy was blind. But what he was asking is, what do you really want? Because if if you can see, then your life's going to change. You can't sit there as a blind man begging if you're not blind anymore. You've got to get a job. (laughs) Young people, you've got to get a job. 
Not much money out there for an ex-blind man. You can't beg as an ex-blind man. So do you really want to see? Or do you actually, are you actually comfortable with your life? And Jesus asked the question, I want to see. And then Jesus performs a miracle. These guys tell Peter, we, we, we want to know the truth. We want to know more about Jesus. We want to know more about God. So then, And only then, Peter preaches the word. God is preparing people. God uses people. And can I just say that if you come to church and you've been used and you feel used, that's good because God uses people. It's going to happen. And my third thing is simply this, that God accepts all people. God accepts all people. As Peter's preaching, and I, I, I don't know how it looked. Maybe Peter was on a roll. Maybe Peter was about to say something dumb. I don't know. But in the middle of his preach, God felt enough's enough. And God interrupts Peter's preach by pouring out the Holy Spirit. I think it's funny because Peter is that guy who's just willing to say things when others aren't. And this is now the third recorded time that Peter gets interrupted. The first time was from God the Father when there was on the Mount of Transfiguration and, and Peter's there with James and John and they're looking at Jesus and he went really white. He went like, ah, oh, shiny white and bright. And Moses and Elijah are there and Peter can't contain himself. He said, oh, it's great that we are here. We should build some tents. We should build some tabernacles for each of you. One for Moses, one for you. And as he's talking in his excitement, God interrupts him. <laughs> when he was with Jesus one day and he was talking about the temple tax, Jesus has to shut him down. He says, catch a fish. And inside the fish's mouth is the temple tax. As Peter's getting upset and worried, Jesus interrupts him. And now we've got the Holy Spirit interrupting. We've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit interrupting Peter. Interruptions are good. When's the last time you allowed God to interrupt your day? Maybe you won't have the Mount of Transfiguration moment in your life. But maybe for you, it's driving on the side of the road and you see a woman who's got a flat tire and you've got to be at work on a certain time. And God's trying to get your attention. saying, just stop and help. And, oh, I can't. I'm on a roll. And Peter's preaching away and he's going. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just comes and just cuts him off. As a church, we prepare as best we possibly can to do what we do Sunday by Sunday. But we try our best to hold on to everything we do really loosely. And there's many times our service have gone totally different than what we prepared as we allow God to interrupt and God to have his way in our lives. God wants to confirm his word. God wants to do what we can't do. God was showing Peter that this was his seal of approval. That God was changing the program. 
He was interrupting Peter saying, you've heard it said this. You've lived your life a certain way. But I'm doing something new. And for every person in this place this morning as our musicians come, I want to put the question to you. Where are you at with God? And how comfortable are you with his interruptions? Or have we just got so comfortable with just getting on with our life as normal that we miss some incredible moments? God was wanting to do something very special that day, and he did. And he wanted to break down the divide between people groups. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 11... He says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all. And he richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. Peter was sent, Peter went, and Peter meant every word that he said and as a result Cornelius his family and friends received Christ kingdom of God grew these accounts are not written in the word of God for us just to say we know a little bit more about history now They're meant to challenge us and ask ourselves, what are we doing with the same mandate, the very same mandate that God gave the church back then, which is true today. God wants to break in. God wants to do new things. But I believe before he can do some of those things, he's got to prepare our hearts. I don't know everyone here. I don't know your background. But I can promise you this. In your background is somebody, someone, some person, a group of people that was of a certain sex, a certain race, a certain culture, a certain color, a certain creed that did something bad to you. And it's very easy for us just to write off that whole race, that whole culture, that whole color group of people because of something one person who was a part of that group did to us. One of the things non-Christians say of Christians is the church is full of hypocrites. And I think this is what they're picking up on. That intrinsically in us, we have our preferences. Peter had his preferences. He loved God and he loved some of God's people. 
He just didn't love those unclean ones. For every Christian in this place, you have to ask yourself, who are the unclean ones in your life? And let God lower down his sheet from heaven and show you who they are for you. And let him speak to you. Call nothing unclean that I've called clean. Maybe you do rich people well, you don't do poor people well. Let God do a work on your heart. Maybe you're happy with people from Burnside, but just not Elizabeth. Maybe you're happy with anyone who's white, just if the tan starts getting a little bit too dark, you just got to keep it real, people. Maybe you call around young people, but those old ones, they smell and they've got hair coming out their ears. I say this to every young person, if you want to get wise, if you want wisdom beyond your ears, hang around older people. And to every older person, I'm somewhere in the middle, I think. Maybe I'm kidding myself. Us young ones, we kind of... uh... (laughs) And for some of the older ones here, to stop you getting old and grey and cranky and miserable and bitter, hang around the young people. They'll keep you young. They'll even get you wearing silly coloured jeans. It's God's plan. That the young would hang with the old and get wisdom beyond their years, and the old would hang with the young and stay young at heart. That black would mix with white, that we learn one another's culture and have empathy and understanding for one another. So, what's God revealing in His sheep to you? Who's unclean in your eyes that God is calling clean? Right now, this moment right here, right now, all of a sudden it's not about what happened 2000 years. This is not history now. This is not a history lesson. This is a present lesson. Oh, we, like, we like history better, don't we? Kind of back there. Stupid Peter, impulsive Peter. Let's talk about him. Now let's use Peter to minister to us today. And can I say for all of those who read the word of God when you read a story where Jesus is there and somebody else is in the story we're the somebody else don't assume the place of Jesus when people are killing Jesus we're the ones killing Jesus when we deny when someone's there denying Christ we're that guy we're not Jesus in the story we've got to see ourselves and place ourselves rightly in the story this is the end of the message Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.